Welcome to Bound by Books. I'm sci-fi romance author Tina Moss, and I'm joined today by Marianne Maria, and I write paranormal romantic suspense and every other flavor of paranormal you can think of. <laughs> all the, that should be your brand, all the flavors of paranormal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how are you doing, Marianne? I'm good. How are you, Ben? Good. Not no. bad. I know you're having a little bit of a hectic day. Is it hopefully we'll get to, some good times on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, how's your writing going? Um, it's not <laughs> right now. Same. Um, Same. You no, know, it's not. It's uh it's it's not stalled because I don't have ideas. It's just stalled because I haven't had time. Yeah. You know, I'm just um trying to, you know, uh kind of get back in the swing of things so we after my dad died and having surgery on my knee and all of this other stuff it's just been a little bit, bit hectic for the last uh two and a half months so yeah. I think it's um it's time though for me to get back into the swing of things and you know I just have I have a book signing coming up and you know on the 22nd with the rain date the 23rd um in That's at the fun. Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Sleepy Hollow New York Sleepy oh, Hollow. So fun as in the headless horseman sleepy hollow. So <laughs> it's always, always, always a fun time. So if you're listening to this and you happen to be anywhere near sleepy hollow country, come on down and see us. Yes, you absolutely. Know? And if you didn't catch our podcast last week, it was on mental health tips for writers, which is really relevant for this time of year. And, you know, some people going through hard times as the weather changes with seasonal depression and a seasonal affective disorder. So if you are feeling it you are not alone and you can go check out our podcast for some some tips and tricks to getting through you know the hard times yes for writers not for in writers general. yes yeah. for, for writers. writers specifically especially <laughs> for things like you know how to write when you are not feeling the the call to writing yeah. um which is you know sometimes you you have to do it if it's it's part of your job and you kind of have to break through that more difficult time but Today, we get to talk about a really fun topic that I think will be interesting to a lot of people, and that is writing to market versus writing to the muse. Mm. So, Maryam, when you think about those two things, what do you think the main difference is between them? Um, well, I think writing to market is probably nuanced. Um, I think, you know, writing to market because you're writing to trend, you know, mm -hmm. what's hot now. Um, that you can jump on the bandwagon of things that are things that are selling right now. Um, the other other flavor of that is that seems to be my word these days. Flavor, um, <laughs> you know, um, is that uh, you're analyzing the market so that you know um, how to best navigate your story to fit what's expected. You know, mm -hmm. to to hit all the beats. You know, exactly. You know, to to hit all the beats. Um, so that's what that's my take on it. What about you, T? What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I think when you're writing to market, your your mindset has to be what is popular for the genre that you've chosen. And you really have to know that genre in and out because you can spin it on its head if that's part of the marketing plan that you're going for. But you have to know the conventions before you you change them in any way, before you break them in any, any way. It's kind of like the rules of writing, right? Know all the grammar rules before you break them kind of thing. Um, but it is about, at the end of the day, being profitable and being uh, good in your business, essentially, because if you're going to treat writing like a business, 
then I think that is going to be writing to market and making sure that you are going to make money from this. Now, that's not to say that you're going to make money necessarily off of just like putting one book out there, but the purpose of writing to market is to treat it like a business, is to be profitable. So all of those factors come into play. Right. And I have been guilty of the past of just writing to Muse. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with either path. So just put that out there. Um, I think you just have to know the expectations of one versus the other. So then on the flip side, what would you say is the writing to muse? Writing to muse is just writing to whatever inspiration hits you, at least as far as I'm concerned. It's writing to whatever the characters are saying and the type of type of path you want to take within a specific genre. Um, Like we were talking yesterday, you and I, when we had our 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 bi-monthly Zoom call for with our with the Mod Pod, as I like to say, and uh, (laughs) And that we were looking at my uh, my YA series um, mm-hmm. and, you know, that the, the first book actually fits Dark Academic, which is great. I'm going to take care of that um, in terms of keywords. Um, but the second one follows the characters, but I throw the main character back in time and you were like, time travel, Marianne, <laughs> really? Dark, I stay with Dark Academic. So this is my, a perfect example of writing to Muse. Mm-hmm. I needed an idea. Um, the thing is, is that the, the, the core of the series that we're talking about is this um, witchy family that lives in, the, in Sleepy Hollow. And, you know, the things that have that happened 200 years ago are now affecting them in present day. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's affecting them present day happened in the past. And then this one character, it's up to her to go back in time and fix it but she doesn't realize that that's what's going to happen she just gets kind of dropped there and kind of left to her own devices to survive and whatever she can remember from her the history classes that she was half asleep in you know <laughs> so um and then the book three is back in back as being dark dark academic because mm-hmm. it's about um you know, uh, an entity that's affecting them in the present mm-hmm. day at the high school. So, right. it, you know, so I've got dark academic and then this <laughs> kind of weird throwback to mm-hmm. and, and then then dark academic. So yeah. that's writing to muse in a that's, nutshell. That's a perfect example. And honestly, all of that together sounds amazing and it sounds great. Like the question isn't whether the books are good or not. The question is, how do you market that? How right. do you set up reader expectation? Because right. now you've given them a book that is this dark academia, dark academic, right? And then all of a sudden, the second book, you switched us to time travel, which again, it sounds amazing as you're describing it. But now the reader expectation is I'm going to get this set in high school, this paranormal set in high school. But now you've taken me back, you know, X amount, hundreds of years, and I'm in time travel. And I was not, as a reader, prepared for that. So you have to set reader expectations. Now, if you have a series like that, that where you've already done that, the question is, how could you fit that into market? Like if you've written a story, let's say that's from the muse, that's from the inspiration, and you didn't have a specific marketing plan in mind, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't market it. It's just that you're going to have to change how you do that. So there's a couple different ways just with your example that I think right off the bat is, okay, well, could we have that as the second book? Could we turn that into a spinoff? Or could that be a prequel? Or could that be like an origin story? Does it necessarily have to be the second book? Could we have a series that was more 
in line with the first book? Well, after we spoke yesterday, I went back and I looked at the book and I had forgotten because I had written it, you know, you know, seven years ago or so um, that I had broken the book up into part one and part two. Mm. And part one, it takes place um, after graduation. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a year since the since their the issues of that happened in book one. So mm-hmm. they're graduating from high school and just on the, on the cusp of going into college, but it's a, um, all of the kids from the incident that happened in book one are getting together for this summer bash right before they go away. So it's still dark. Mm-hmm. It's still these, these same students mm-hmm. are just partying on a lake and then the things that happen and they decide to go whitewater rafting and sh- and my main character's thrown overboard. And when she wakes up on the shore, That's she's in one. 1787. Wow. So, so I think it could because I did it in part one and part two, it mm-hmm. might still carry the flavor. I just have to see if I need to you know, in, instill a little bit more academia. in. The, and I, I still think that this would be so let's let's take a good example using this. Right. So if this is something that doesn't necessarily fit traditional genres or how we think of ebooks, you can play with this and have it broken down into what's becoming extremely popular right now, serialized stories. So those are things like Amazon's Vela, Wattpad, Radish, and about a million apps that come out every other month. Um, But it's becoming especially popular with Gen Z and younger millennials to have stories that are bite size. If you think of them, like how we used to think of soap operas back in the day, you know, we'd have one every day. There was a different, you know, story, but it was the same characters and continuing and it could kind of go in any direction in terms of genre, but it was always very like high intensity angst. That's kind of what these are now, except, except for a younger audience. And that sounds like something that might fit very well into that. So Thinking outside of the box also, if again, if you've written this story that's from the muse and you don't know how to market it, you don't necessarily have to market it in a traditional way. You can find different paths where your story might fit better. Right. So anyway, so this is something to investigate along with everything else that I've got. (laughs) <laughs> being <laughs> being analyzed and dissected and how to, how, to, how to fix because I just keep writing books like I finish one and then I get on to the next one and then you know and I instead of really thinking about how to really take advantage and market the ones that I have so that you know I'm not just writing for the sake of writing you know so you know I'm right. sure there are other authors out there that are kind of scratching their heads going okay I've got this book I've got three of them and it's you know I should be making money and you know mm-hmm. before I decide to, to go on to book four so anyway but I'm a but- big fan of like if something's not working and if you're not seeing um sales from a book or series that you have done traditionally, change it up. There's there's no reason to let it sit there and linger. Again, even if it's if it's a book that's written from the muse. So, and there's no, again, there's no wrong way to do this, right? I think people who are writing to market have a very specific business mindset in the sense that like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to hit every single thing I need to. So a good example for me is my sci-fi romance series. I started off as an urban fantasy and paranormal romance writer. Those were very much, you know, written 
uh, by the muse. I had a little bit of marketing wherewithal as I knew where I wanted to go. Certainly not with my first book, but with my next series, I crossed genres. I said it was, you know, paranormal criminal minds and it very much is but try to market a paranormal criminal minds and see how well you do <laughs> it's it's not easy because it crosses paranormal romance and romantic suspense and once you're crossing genres you're automatically making it harder on yourself to market so when i hit my sci-fi romance series i decided okay i need to know this market in and out i read over a hundred books in the market i knew what readers were expecting um, certain characteristics and tropes and things that I wanted to include in, in my books, things that I gravitated towards as a reader and enjoyed, and then making sure the covers were on trend, the blurbs were on trend, e even as you know, down to the nitty gritty as what is the common point of view? Is it first person or third person? Exactly. Which one? Like that's yep. how intensive I went into writing to market as I really, really dug into this genre and said, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure that I give myself the best possible opportunity to make a splash in the genre. Um, yep. and, and, you know, that's that's a business decision. I love writing these books. I enjoy them so much, but it still is very much a business decision as to I want to be profitable with these books. So I think that's important is to figure out, like, what is it you want from writing your books? And it's not to say that you can't have both. Well, that's what we all as writers, we hope for is to have both, to have the mm -hmm. enjoyment of writing, loving what, loving our stories, loving our characters, loving our series and, you know, having, having them stay, you know, uh, fertile in our minds, um, but also to become profitable. I yep. mean, I've just, I've read three cozy, witchy, cozy mysteries um, in this past month, uh, two of them just this past week, because like I said, I didn't have much extra brain real sure. estate available for things. But um, I have to, I'm going to, you know, download a whole bunch more because I, I need to deconstruct. And that's a word that should be, you know, everybody who's listening to us should be writing that word down, <laughs> deconstructing the novels to get every single one of the beats that's mm -hmm. there. And um, most of my books are written in third, in the, in third person past, which is the POV that I have chosen and, these books, for the most part, are written in first person past. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something that I, you know, I have been taking note of. And also the fact that there's usually three red herrings that are that are thrown into the mix there before the, the real culprits are involved, you know, are re revealed and right. so forth. Um, I have to say that the three that I've, I've read recently, the endings were rushed. They were okay. rushed. And, you know, I, so I, I think it, you know, cause it was like the, you know, the, the, the reveal was in the last chapter and then boom, an, an and epilogue boom, months resolved. later, you know, it's like, yeah, so I, I, I think, you know, that is something I need to take into account is that you have this very long buildup of, you know, and, and, and keeping your reader guessing. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden it's like, it's like, okay, solved, done, done and dusted. And it's, I think it leaves you a little bit like, oh. You know, like I, almost a little anticlimactic. And so I, I, you know, maybe it's because these books were so long. You know what I mean? Mm, they're, they're, that's they're, what I was going to ask. So like there yep. are like 80, 80,000 words. Mm -hmm. And I have found that my sweet spot for writing for writing is usually between 50 and 60. Right. And well, 50 and 60,000 words is considered uh, still considered a novel. Mm -hmm. It's just that maybe it's something that I that that I, I have to 
explore and see how how well they work. Or I yeah. can find some cozy mysteries that fit in that that uh, that page count. You know, that's such see- a great analysis, though, to see. Like, so my question would be, are books in this genre mostly in the 80,000 range? So, for example, in sci fi romance, it runs the gamut. But the more popular ones, I would say, are right in the 50 to 60,000 range. Right. Right. But when I was first starting, one of the who I consider one of the top authors in the genre told me that she was going to start writing even shorter than that, probably around 50 and concentrate on putting more books out rather than the longer because she found that the trend was to write shorter. So when I put these out, I did them all between um, 43 and just under 50,000, just a little bit shorter than the average range because readers are reading them so quickly and consuming them so quickly. And these are readers that will read like, you know, a book or two a day, forget about a week. Um, So that's something I would consider too, for your genre. It's like, what, what is the expectation of your reader? If every book in the genre, or at least the ones that are selling really well are 80,000 words and have the reveal in the end, then you know that this is something that's a reader expectation. So I haven't, like I said, I've just started to dip my toe into reading the genre to be able to kind of deconstruct and, and, and making notes and so forth. And I'm reading them for, for enjoyment. I mm-hmm. am, you know, because they're, they're, they're fun. I just have to, I, I have to see if my storylines that I have built up because it's um, the other thing that I've noticed is that these books kind of follow the same character or characters, whether from it's in a book, of, yeah, from book to book and mm-hmm. it's, whether it's a small town or it's a, you know, uh, just uh, just a, a big, it doesn't matter where the location is. It's the same group of characters. Okay. The one, you know, the one thing that I had, I had put to somebody at one point who was an author who does this kind of paranormal uh, cozy mystery mm-hmm. is, you know, if you have one character that you're kind of following, but there are other kind of quote unquote main characters that mm-hmm. are, you know, uh, that have secondary roles uh, because you're writing in first person, but they're still pertinent to the story because they're that important to the to the plot line and they do things together and they help the main character sleuth or what have you. Uh-huh. Have you ever switched over to another, you know, to another main character? Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the writers who you know was one of the books that I've just read said, you know, I was actually thinking about that, but I haven't seen it done. Oh, so, OK. That's something that fits in the writing to market is mm-hmm. even though if the muse is saying, hey, this is a possibility, if it's not something that's been done until you have, at least in my personal opinion, until you have a strong enough following that will kind of roll with you as you're as you're you're kind of changing things up, don't rock the boat too soon, right. you know? You might have to put out, you know, five, six, five eight, books. eight yeah. books, 10 books before you could say, you know, OK, this is this is, you know, character number two is going to have her time in the driver's seat, so to speak. Right. And you so. can always do See, I my brain automatically goes, OK, so you got the first series with the same characters and it's doing really well and you're getting around to book five. Right. And you have enough follow through from book one to all the way to book five that readers are just loving this series. Then my mind goes spinoff. So I could have a spinoff with one of the other main characters in that person's point of view and essentially start a whole new series with that this other character now. So that's a that's another good way to think about like 
again, when I started the sci-fi series, I automatically built in the idea that I was going to have at minimum two spinoff series that the reader could pick up at any point. So even if they hadn't read the original series, they could right. pick up these series and, and easily keep going. So that's another thing that you can think about building in. And if the series isn't popular, then then you scrap and, and start anew because right. there's no point in doing a spinoff to a series that, that isn't getting traction. Terrific. Yes. Terrific. But that's a business decision. Yep. That's a yes. business decision. If it, right. this is purely for the muse and for your enjoyment of writing and your muse says, hey, let's go in this direction, then go for it. And there's a chance that, you know, you could hit with that, but understand that you yep. are taking a gamble at that point And it's not, not a measured business decision at that point. Yep. I agree. I yeah. totally agree. But that's exciting. Is that the direction that you're going to um, kind of go in right now is paranormal cozy mystery? Um, I, I think, and it would, it was a, a earmarked for, uh, 2023. So mm -hmm. this is why this is kind of like homework now doing yep. these, doing this deconstruction. And the other thing was the vampire, the vampire, uh, mafia one, you know, that's to, so to have it and have that be a spinoff of my main, of, of my main series and, uh, and the erotic romance one, the red veil diaries, you know, so there'll be, there'll yeah. be the main series and the two spinoffs from that. So, and the thing is, is to, is to start getting traction again, because, you know, it's, uh, it happens, you know, you have mm -hmm. a, you have a roller coaster, you know, writing, writing, is not um it's not linear in the no. sense that you, know, <laughs> you have this upward trajectory and then it kind of flattens out and then you know no it's more of a roller coaster you have you have spikes and you have you have dips and the dips can be devastatingly low mm -hmm. and the highs can be devastatingly high you know so yeah. it's uh, yeah you know, it's, it's a matter of whether or not you have the, the fortitude and, you know, to be able to stick with it, because I mean, look at, look at some of the people that we take for granted that are just meteoric at this yeah. point in time. Like for example, um, Christine Fian. You know, oh my Chris, gosh. Christine you know? Fian. I could, we, we got to get all off on a tangent for this one for a minute. Cause if you want to talk about like writing as a business strategy, she's give a master class. She yes. hit a formula with her readers that they love. And then, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but she regurgitated that formula for the next 50 books. Yep. And you know what? Good People for her. love it. And I read her entire Carpathian series <laughs> because I just absolutely loved it. And the other person is, um, you know, uh, Charlene Harris, Charlene Harris yeah. wrote for 20 years yeah. before before the Sookie St Stackhouse Southern Vampire series, which, you know, was yep. true blood took yep. off. And and it's it's something that I don't even know what she's writing now, because I'm sure it's probably wonderful, but I don't know mm -hmm. if it's having the same except same success. But after she after true blood hit and it was the Sookie Stackhouse series, it, it's like now she has a this built in audience. Yeah. You know, and that's she, just gonna... she can write to muse. Yes. She can absolutely just, you know, kind of write whatever she wants at this point because she's had a super successful series that will probably sustain her throughout her life. And she doesn't really have to worry about writing to market where on the flip side of that, Christine Fian has had an extremely successful series as well. 
But yep. because she's hit this formula that she knows works so well for her readers, she just does it over and over and over again. And right. I give I give a lot of credit for that. And that's like Nora Roberts too. Same Nora formula. Roberts, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The other, you know, like we just interviewed, you know, I just had the interview two weeks ago, which if you, have, if you haven't caught it yet, um, it was the interview with special guest author, Sherilyn Kenyon McQueen. Yep. And some of you may know her as Sherilyn Kenyon, um, but she- You want to talk a- about highs and lows. Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Example. Riding, riding high. Um, you know, I think she was the she hit the New York Times number one bestseller over and over again yeah. with her with her Dark Hunter series. But she was also Kidley McGregor. And mm-hmm. uh, but you want to talk about having the rug pulled out from under you, yep. you know, where all of a sudden you go MIA for four years and you don't mm-hmm. put anything out because you can't because of just horrible circumstances going on in your personal life that have now bled over into your professional life and now having to change and rebrand yourself so that you can still, you know, have those set, that same readership carry you into the next phase. Right. And, uh, and unfortunately, as much as the, 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 the last name Kenyon kind of is like, um, tastes like ash, you know, or, vi- or vinegar. It's one in, that she's known mouth. for. Mm-hmm. It is. And unfortunately, she's got to she's got to keep it because her publishing, you know, this is a trad published author who she can't she can't get away from that. But she yeah. can rebrand herself with the indie because Sherry is a hybrid. Sherilyn, that's a so. really good point, too, about thinking about your author career, um, specifically for for women or female presenting people um, who are typically more likely to change their name in marriage. Um picking out your name, your pen name. If you hit with your pen name, that name is going to stay with you forever. So really consider, you know, the, the name that you want. I decided to go with my maiden name, which for me actually has a lot of traumatic experiences attached to it. However, the reason I did it was because I wanted to take control of that name and make it something that was really positive for me. And also to distinguish a little bit between my online person, uh, business life versus my personal life. Um, but it was, it was a very conscious decision of which name am I going to be known as in my author life. So that's, I think that's very much part of like market versus muse too, because your muse may be saying like, this is the name I really want. And this is the name that's kind of uh, a part of me the most, but from a business decision, remember, that's also going to be a very public name. (laughs) Right. Which is, which is another thing where when, you know, young authors, and I don't mean a young chronological, you know, chronologically, I'm talking about in your career Mm -hmm. that you may say, well, I'm just going to publish under my own name because it's me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is something that where if it's Mark, you know, you can do it if you want to. I did. You know, Marianne Morea is my real name. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I first published my book back in 20, blah, 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 <laughs> um, um, I, I was very uh, arrogant in that, well, you know, win or lose, success or fail. It's my work. It's my books. It's my baby, my blood, sweat and tears that I spent creating this. And I want credit for it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. A decade later, in hindsight, being 2020, it's like, OK, sweetie, you know, <laughs> grabbing my my younger my younger self's face and going, please think about this. Please think this through. <laughs> yes, you know, let, let's let's not let's not put the cart before the horse. You do the success first before you can be the diva, you know, <laughs> and 
<laughs> you know, anyway. So, of course, now I have M.A. Maria for the mm-hmm. YA stuff we were just talking about. And I have Marianne Danbury for my mm-hmm. my my paranormal women's fiction and my my cozy, the, the, the up and coming cozy mysteries. But, you know, I it's it's like, it, it, you know, the more pen names you have, the more stress you have the more work you have to get them done so tina is tina is absolutely right think very very carefully about how about where you want to be and how you want to write whether it's to market or to muse or a combination of the two and how and the name you're going to attach to that absolutely so and there's also the you know outside real world outside of the book world to think about as well because i know a lot of people a lot of authors, probably your most loved authors, will have pen names to write erotica or erotic romance. Or on the flip side of that, they'll have, you know, a pen name to write YA if they're known more as a, a steamy romance author. Right. right. So protecting your branding is also part of writing to market and, and considering those questions. And right. I think, again, it's perfectly okay. You know, we t- I'm a very business-minded person, so I talk a lot about writing to market. But If you want to be an author for the sheer joy of putting out a book, right? And this is not about sales for you. This is not about if you're going to get the the movie deal or the audio book or whatever, right? This is is pure joy for you. Write to Muse and don't worry about a damn thing. Like none of that should really impact what you do. If you are just saying, I just want to put this out for me. And if readers gravitate towards it, great. And if they don't, that's okay too. This is, this is purely for me. I think we get into this mindset of like, everything has to be a business. And we ended up, especially during the pandemic, making our, our hobbies into businesses because we were home more and we had more time and we're like, well, we might as well make some money off of this. Right. I think a lot of people did that, but things are allowed to just be hobbies. We are allowed to just be creatives. If you, if you don't want to take this into a business perspective and that's, that's perfectly valid and fine too. So, yeah, yeah, it is. But I think most of us deep down, um, when we create something like this, we want people to love it because we love that. We love it so much. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know an author who has, I mean, we, we have books we love, although Cheryl, Sherilyn, when I interviewed her was when I asked her, which is your favorite book, which is your favorite series? And she's just like, I don't have one. I was like, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, wait till this, we finish recording. It's going to be liar, liar, pants on fire. So, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but, um, the, we all Mine have, is always I, the one I'm writing. Do you find that? Like, I always find the one that I'm in. I have this love-hate relationship where I'm like, this is the greatest book ever. I love this one so much. And then later on, I'm like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Why did I write that? Well, I, I think it's, you know, there's there's parts of me that are just like, if I have to write another shifter book, I think I'm going to scream. Um, there's a, there's parts of me that are just like, oh, my God, I'm so tired of writing sex. Um <laughs> But then there's parts of me that are like, oh, this would be a great idea for that series. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, so it's like, I, I don't know whether it makes me psychotic or, or just fickle or just that I have just too many voices in my head or what have you. But you're right, I do. I mean, there's some books that I am prouder of mm-hmm. than others, you know, mm-hmm. um, like we were, you know, the, the, the YA story series that I, you know, the, the legend series that we were just talking about before. I am super super proud of that series super proud of it i wish it had taken off um as as you know because everybody that reads 
that series mm-hmm. falls in love with it. It's mm. just a matter of trying to get people to actually pick it up and, yeah. you know, and, you know, through the, through the, you know, the, the maze of all the other books that are out there. See, you now know? I'm even more, I'm more going to push you to do serialized stories for so, that. I think that's, a, that's the way to go. Yeah. And then there are other ones that I, that I, I love um, and ones that I'm just like, meh, you know, so I just, you know, because it, it's, it, it fit what I was thinking at the time, you know, right. I feel that way that way about my first book that I wrote with my um, co-author. It was such like a special experience in the moment, and it was you know my first real book, and we wrote it together, and we had so much fun, and it was it was such a good time. Um, but like, I I am such a better writer now, and know so much more now that I look back on that book, I'm like, oh boy, a lot of that was cringy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it has a special place in my heart, even though it, I don't think it's it's the best book I've ever written, although my husband does, which I think is pretty funny. But um, Alien Pickles are, is not the market for him. <laughs> but yeah, and, and that is the one that I spent the, the most time on, ironically, like now, just because where I am in in my career, I can write a book much quicker than I than I ever could before. And I was such a perfectionist at that stage that I think that I overwrote in a lot of ways I overwrote I over edited because I was so analytical about it I wanted it to be perfect and I think in that perfection took down the story the quality of the story so I think that's another part too of writing in general whether to market or muse is don't think so much gosh we we're such overthinkers I think in general as writers but Sometimes the story is is just supposed to be the story and we say, oh, well, the first draft is crap and you got to sort through the crap. And that's not always true because I don't write full first drafts like that. I don't write the the first the crap first draft as as so many, you know, experts. I put that in air quotes for those that are listening uh, will tell you to do. I edit I do all the things you're not supposed to do I edit as I go same sink very deeply into the story before I put the words on paper I I mull over it and I'm thinking about it and I'm outlining like crazy and then by the time that I'm ready to write the story is there and just it's flowing out of me in a way that isn't crap and that is actually good the first time it, it comes out of course it still needs editing but like for the most part I'm editing as I'm going and I'm, I'm, my first draft is not crap. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same. I don't, I don't, I only write, write one draft yep. because I edit as I write. And then if something's not working, I actually, you know, I know you hate my notebooks, but <laughs> <laughs> you hate my notebooks, but they serve a purpose. I'm so certain- fearful. I'm so fearful. They're going to like catch fire or something. I'm like, I need a digital form of them. <laughs> You know, I write down, okay, what's the problem here? What's the conflict? Or yes. is it missing a conflict? Why, why is it, you know, we call it, especially what my, my, uh, my friend, Jim uh, C. Lumpkin says, um, the messy middle, you know, mm-hmm. the messy middle of the story, you know, um, it's a matter of, of trying to uh, make sure that you know where you're going. And this is where being a pantser sometimes, you know, gets in the way you know because yeah it's challenging so I've kind of been become a hybrid where I do outline and I do Mm -hmm. pants because as you're editing as you're going along 
you know, or, uh, you know, you have a, an outline that's just, it's just a guide, really. Exactly. You could be, you know, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of my ideas when I'm driving and, mm-hmm. or, and when I'm in the shower. The shower, you know, man. <laughs> showers. I don't know what it is. It's about the the the, the, like the, the, the sound of the water just yeah. kind of you're muffled. You're like you're in a, a, you know, like an echo chamber because there's nobody in there but you. And it's the sound of the water because the sound of rushing water is actually um, a way that you can um, go into like uh, a trance, a meditative state, state. Yeah, yeah, meditative yeah. state, you know, and that is very thing. muse. That is very yes, muse. That is very muse. Yes. And the same thing, same thing, like if you're, if you know, it's the, the, the rumble of the car and just the, yep. the, you know, that type of a thing. So hopefully you're not off in some kind of fantasy when you're behind the wheel, <laughs> you, know, you don't want to do, do that. Especially so. if it's somewhere like you're, you're very used to going, you're, you're very used to driving to, you can get into that kind of like, I, I've done it a million times where I've been driving and I'm like, oh, I'm here already. How'd that happen? Because you right. kind of go into autopilot. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm the same way. Like when I when I wrote Code Black, it was I went through 17 drafts. When I wrote Red Alert, I think it was 13 drafts. Like it's in it was insane. Like my process now, I am so much prouder of, even if the book doesn't come out as you know if people don't think it's as clean as it needs to be i i'm still standing by this process because that process meant that i put out a book every five years like it was so intensive and and so in my opinion unnecessary to the point where like i um inhibited my own writing and that's again whether you're writing news or market that is not something i would recommend doing no i mean and, <laughs> and you also have to remember you, you know take into consideration whether it's muse or market timing you know yeah. i mean the, you know what you what you decide you're going to do and what you're going to promise people you mm-hmm. know and 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 make make commitments to that you actually you know you can't you can't you can't be a flake you can't right. be a flake, you know, and sometimes life gets in the way and you, you know, and, 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 and whatnot, but it, it can't happen too often. You know, if you're sure. going to make a commitment and put up a pre-order, you're going to make, make a commitment and have a, a book that has to go into an anthology or it's part of a part of a group project where like, like if I write for the uh, Robin Peterman's Magic and Mayhem series, mm-hmm. that book, that cover has to be, you know, like I always have the one I'm always in the 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 blast off or the incarnation that is in June. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that cover has to, that cover has, has to be, be done ready. by, by May 1st. Right. They, ha- they have to have it because they start the, they start marketing and that book has to be, it has to be done and done. edited and so forth to them by, yeah. you know, like the May, May 18th or something like that, because it releases around June 22nd or so. Right. It depends. I mean, obviously, but at the same time, you can't just, you can't just say, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. And, and then, yeah. And then just and say, then you know, uh, like, you know, if it's if the book is due May, May 20th, say, for argument's sake, call, you know, message Robin and say oh, on the 18th and say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't able to get to it because that's not that's not fair. It's very unprofessional. Right. You know? So, I mean, obviously, there are certain things you can't you can't uh, get away from. Yeah. Even, Same like, thing I- with anthologies, too. And I had that happen to me pretty recently where um it, it was fine because we were so ahead. Our deadline was so ahead of when it was going to come out, but I knew that I wasn't going to make the deadline and I had to go. And it was, it was horrible. Like the, the coordinator was very understanding. I had extenuating circumstances. There were reasons, but it was right. still like, it was hard. It was hard to say right. like, I'm going to, I'm going to miss this deadline. And and can you give me more time? Um, And it all worked out fine. But like doing, having to do that, 
is very difficult. And if you can avoid it, obviously you want to. Also just, I always think about writing to market. A lot of people will try to chase trends. It's not writing to trend. I want to be very careful with that. Writing to market is not writing to trend because trend is different in the sense that what's hot one week is not necessarily going to be hot the next week. And if you try chasing the trends, you're going to constantly be like shifting between different things, which is a very bad business plan. Writing to market is more about finding the thing that you enjoy, for example, with yep. sci-fi romance. I I enjoy sci-fi romance very much. It is not a trending genre. It was a couple years ago, in like maybe two years ago, right at the start of the pandemic. It started to trend and then it drift off. But it has a very loyal audience. And I think right. finding your audience within your market is way more valuable than trying to tra- chase the latest trend. Right, right. So, for example, too, with with Paranormal Cozy Mystery, I would say four to five years ago, that that was the like when that first came out, that was the biggest thing that had hit the market for a while. Right. Right. And I would say that's kind of petered off. But again, has a very loyal audience of readers who are constantly looking for like the next series in in that genre. Well, we'll see. We'll see if it works. I'm going to I'm going to invest four books and we'll see if it works. If it doesn't Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work, then I'm going to those four books will just, you know, ride off into the sunset and say I tried it. And, you know, and I'll I'll decide what's what's next for me. Um, It's a matter of it's a matter of keeping myself fresh in my own head. I the last thing I want to do is get so mired down in something I don't enjoy writing anymore. Absolutely. And that's a really good point, too, because you said I'm going to give this four books. I knew when diving into sci-fi romance, I was going to give this three years. So I have three years, essentially, for any of the books or any of the series that I write to take off because I knew that's the amount of time that I wanted to dedicate. And if they did, and I was still enjoying writing them, then I would keep writing. And if not, then I would move on to the next thing. So that's a good point too, in in terms of writing to market, figure out where your line in the sand is and Mm -hmm. to how much you want to give attention to it before you move on to the next thing. Yeah. Because writing to market also, also the, the, another either wrinkle or nuance, however you want to put it is also determining whether you're going how how quickly are you planning on releasing books mm-hmm. you know are you going to jump on the rapid, rapid release. release bandwagon or are you going to spread that out a little bit more because don't burnout is a very very real thing oh it yeah. really Raise is really, yes yes me too <laughs> especially if you are members of the hostage deadline club like oh, tina and i we are we are so actually the the uh, I, I want to say the queens oh of God. hostage deadline hostage deadlines. Yes, uh, we are. <laughs> so and 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 then we do it to ourselves. Nobody oh, else's fault. We totally do it to ourselves. And 100%. you know, it's like that old saying that you know, uh, uh, creativity is one um, percent um, inspiration and ninety nine percent perspiration. Well, it is. It's procrastination and perspiration because uh, you get the perspiration because you procrastinated exactly. for so long. And now it's like, oh, my God, this is oh, crap. three weeks. Right. So. Words in three weeks. Crap. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did that with I did that just this past this this past summer. I you do know, it every just, time. I do. Every, every time, time. I, so. I have not been able to break. I went from literally like, oh, five years to write a book to I need exactly two and a half weeks to write this book. 
Well, I haven't done it in two and a half weeks. My mind. My my personal best. My personal best is three weeks for an eighty thousand word book. Well, and that's I, impressive. My books are not that long, so. Well, that was Time Turner, um, and wow. uh, and the story behind it, which is book two in that YA series, mm-hmm. um, and the the story behind it is that I had had that I I, I had a deadline of needing to release it by, I believe it was November 15th at the time I was releasing the book. And my birthday is October 23rd. And that year I was turning 50. Mm -hmm. And my husband threw a surprise birthday party for me on October 17th. And I, at that time, I had only 20,000 words written in this book. That's it. 20,000 words. And it was like a first draft type of writ. Right, right. And he surprised me with a trip to Italy. For oh, us. God. <laughs> and I had to leave on November 8th. Oh, and I thought to myself, how the hell am I going to finish this? So I had from wow. October 17th to November 8th wow. to finish this book. And so when I sent it to my editor, because it was it was November 7th at like three o'clock in the morning or whatever it was, I sent it to my editor and I said, don't ask me what I wrote. Don't ask me what the story is, because I have no idea. So anyway, Sue, though, is even though I'm very much right to market, it's kind of muse like in that I I get super immersed into writing and into that world that I I don't want to write for an hour a day and move on. Like I want to have six hours where I'm just going, going, going gung ho on it like I. I, I don't know. There's something about the immersive nature of that that really works for me. And I I don't get six hours in a day to do that unless I'm on deadline. Right. And I have told everyone in my life, do not call, do not bother me. I will not pick up the phone. I'm going in the cave. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I have done that. I have done that plenty of times where I have been in the cave yeah. and I tell people I am going to be in the cave. Yeah. And now um, in my new house, I don't have a like designated space. Well, no, I have a designated space. It's just, it has no doors. You know, it has no doors and it's very open. So I, I hear everything. I see everything. People walk right past the dog goes right past the doorbell rings or something like that. I can't close my doors Mm -hmm. like I used to, which is fine. I mean, I can, I can do that, but, but that's the best part about being a writer because you can pick up and go anywhere. I will say that one of the the stories I always like that Stephen King told was, when he finally had made it as a writer and was was making some money from his books, he bought this um, big antique desk and he put it in his office, right? And he's like, oh, I'm finally going to have like a real writer's desk. And he essentially never wrote at it because he was so used to being in the middle of things, in the middle of the action and, and hearing all of the activity around him and had gotten used to that as a writer that when he finally found the official desk in the quiet space, he couldn't write. So he went yeah. back to writing in the living room, which yeah. I thought was great. Yeah. So like I have a very similar experience where I have, <laughs> I finally got my, my library ladder and my beautiful bookcase and my beautiful desk. And don't get me wrong, I do enjoy my time here. But when it comes to writing, I'm usually down in the living room, just in the middle of things so (laughs) yeah I have a I don't care if there's noise around I don't care Mm -hmm. if people are people are are kind of you know like somebody's cooking in the kitchen or you know somebody's watching tv in the kitchen or whatever the things that bother me the most is if somebody's trying to have a conversation with me when I'm oh yeah I'm writing or if somebody (laughs) is 
talking super, super, super loud. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, uh, uh, you know, all right, you're, you're now you're, now you've pierced the bubble, right? You're, you're piercing the bubble and I can't have that. So I had it one time I was in my office, even this is in my old house where I actually did have doors to close. And I ended up having to unplug my laptop and go upstairs to my bedroom because my, I, you know, and I love my mother-in-law to death, but she was in the kitchen, which is lit- was literally on the other side of the house. And I could still hear her (laughs) even with the doors closed, (laughs) pots and pans, banging her talking, telling this, telling a story and the television. And I was just like, okay, no, 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 no. I need quiet here. You know? So, well, that's just it. Whether it's market or muse, you, you need the things you need and getting to know yourself and your process and the things you want out of out of your writing life is what's most important. Absolutely. So I think that's a good spot to, to give it a roundup and to say goodbye. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Marianne, for chatting with me. Always and a pleasure sure to like subscribe, comment, and do all the things on all the platforms so that we can continue putting out these podcasts for you. Join us again next week in another episode of bound by books. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Bound by Books podcast. For more information about the show and all of our hosts, visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.